Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend and co-host, Christian Ubius. And Christian, it is the dawn of a new blend of the month here on the Cinema Drip Podcast. You are leading us into March in recognition of the annual March Madness Tournament to Basketball Month. And I gotta say, I'm still a little bit shocked that you chose this topic after I led you to all kinds of silly places with Football Month in Cinema Drip Past. So... I'm curious to get a little bit of your, just your your designs behind this month, your hopes and dreams, and, and why you ultimately picked a sports movie month. Well, because it's March Madness, and many people in my life, throughout my life, have loved March Madness. And we covered Hoosiers on the show, as a streaming recommendations movie, years ago. But I, I will say, I feel like I haven't seen a ton of basketball movies. Oh, I guess we also covered Space Jam. That we so, did. An absolute basketball movie right there. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I believe that sports movies have a cool history, and this was also me crossing up some blind spots. Yeah, I gotta say, you picked an unconventional starting point for Basketball Movie Month, because I think when people think about basketball movies, something like Hoosiers, or Space Jam, or even just more common Disney movies, something like Glory Road, or Like Mike, you know, there's... All these more popular movies, I guess, whether it's because we remember them from when we were kids or what, but you are having us kick off with Love and Basketball, Gina Prince-Bythewood's directorial debut, certainly a well-known movie. I'm not saying you went way off the beaten path here, but I think for the average Joe, when you say basketball movies, it may not be the first one that comes to mind. So would love to know why you picked it. As you said, you're crossing off some blind spots, but would love to get some background from your perspective. I think it's mainly just a product of the Gina Prince Bythewood directed The Woman King last year. And uh, this is her, I mean, this is her directorial debut. This is not her film debut, but actually, no, it is. It is also her film debut. So, yeah, she had written in some, on some TV shows before this, but this is her film debut. She had worked on some shorts. She had worked on some TV shows as her film debut as director and writer. I was curious. I was curious to see what we were going to get. I am really glad that you finally made me watch this movie, just because I have seen her two most recent movies. Obviously, we saw The Woman King for the show last year, and I had also seen The Old Guard. So I've gotten to see her in a very Hollywood mode, making these big action movies, one for Netflix, one for theaters, both of which I really enjoyed. The Woman King, you know, I think was a really, truly great blockbuster type of movie and I'm stunned it's not getting more attention at the Oscars which are coming up in a few days from when we're recording this podcast but I hadn't seen her smaller dramas where she had started and I knew that some of them were beloved love and basketball maybe chief among them so I'm really glad to cross this off of my list as well gotta say it was uh not something I was fully expecting to cover on the show this year but that's the beauty of of, of doing this thing we get to <laughs> explore all kinds of topics so let's let's go ahead and say this movie came out in the year 2000 and it covers um basically a love story between two basketball players so Sanal Lathan plays Monica Wright McCall and Omar Epps plays Quincy and spoiling the movie and the cast (laughs) I did not give a different last name bro you spoiled it no (laughs) 
All I said was Quincy. I did not give Quincy's last name. <laughs> oh my god! You turd! You ruined. You're the turd podcast. here. Her name is Monica Wright. The entire movie. <laughs> I said Monica Wright McCall and Quincy. Why didn't you say his last name, Christian? Because I realized I had said McCall. <laughs> you trash, well, baby. Probably not a not a true spoiler, as this is a, a rom drom, if you will. A uh, it's a romantic Hollywood, maybe not Hollywood, but independent movie, but American romantic film. So we can take a gander, take a guess at where it's going. So not really a spoiler, so to speak, but just... Wait, there was a post-credit scene to the movie? Indeed. There's, there's an end-credit scene here. We'll, we'll leave that as a little treat for the listeners who are going to catch up after the episode. All right, I realize that we talk a lot about the... I don't know. I feel like we talk like we're teachers. We should be much more relaxed. Scott, do you know how I've been watching movies recently? On our production meeting. Christian, I'm going to say on your phone while you're sitting on the toilet. Is that casual enough for you? Uh, <laughs> no, but I have been watching SNL shorts that way. Okay, that's fair. The, 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 um, the recent SNL thing, it was uh, the, 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 the dude who's a football player. Trace. Travis, Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. Uh, man was not bad has no depth to his voice but he knew how to perform no depth to his voice you can tell he wasn't an actor okay you know i guess i do now (laughs) (laughs) no so i've been watching it on my just on my laptop and my my tv is in storage currently as i transition through some things and so it's been sad watching watching the basketball games on my laptop that's 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 what I've got. That's... I watched Love and Basketball on the TV in my bedroom, as, as I've been watching most movies this year, where my wife sleeps soundly next to me, and I watch movies until the wee hours of the morning. You've been logging so much. I'm proud of you because it used to be that I was the one who was watching everything, and now you're watching everything, and I can't watch Jack. We we do have a bit of a. We have a sort of diverging philosophy where you are better at seeing new movies and you go to the oh, yeah. theater more often than I do, but I am better at watching older movies or at least I movies from the, the recent past. Christian lives in the now. <laughs> Scott lives in the past. Probably not surprising. Maybe not surprising to listeners of this podcast. But... All right. So you know, two people in this movie get together. So that's that's where this divergence went. It does. It follows Monica Wright and Quincy McCall. At the beginning of the movie, Monica's family moves in next door to Quincy's. Quincy's dad is an NBA player, and he's playing basketball. For the LA Clippers. Yes, for the Clippers. And young Monica crashes a basketball game between him and his friends, and it kicks off a years-long friendship and romance and some some other changes in their relationship over the course of their respective lives and basketball careers. As the okay, two, so, of course, play in high school yeah. and are both looking to go pro after it. But the movie is divided into four, into four quarters, is what it says. Indeed. And the first quarter covers their childhood. The second quarter covers their time in high school. Third quarter, their first year of college, and in fourth quarter, their their post college careers. Which is kind of interesting. I I like the structure a lot because we spent a prolonged amount of time in each one of the quarters it wasn't like this quarter is like five minutes and this one's an hour 
it was very, very like half hour, half hour, half hour, half hour. Yeah, I think maybe the first quarter is a little bit shorter just because it's it's when they're kids and there's not as much to explore necessarily. But I really enjoy the structure as they well. They became boyfriend, girlfriend at that time. <laughs> to be fair, Quincy asks Monica if she will be his girl. And I, I don't think the relationship lasts uh, before they leave for school that day. <laughs> they did kiss for five seconds. They did kiss for five seconds at a very cute moment <laughs> between those two young actors. But I, did, I, I, I dug the structure here, just just following them in uh, in different periods of their life. I think it's a, a good way of doing it. And Gina Prince-Bythewood, I'm not sure where this came from. I, I just saw it kind of, you know, doing some research online. But she mentioned that she wanted to do The Black When Harry Met Sally. And although, of course, it doesn't <laughs> exactly match the structure of that movie, which follows them on their last day of college into their adulthoods, you can see the inspiration in structuring a movie not necessarily contained to one time period or by having a flash something you're flashing back to and, and matching it with the, the modern timeline, but rather focusing in on these four important time periods in the lives of these two people. And sure, there are things that we miss, but I think the movie is, is better for it. It's a, a very romantic structure in a way, just like when Harry Met Sally emphasizes the way that the, those two people change over their lives and how they become compatible for one another, so does Love and Basketball. Uh, she didn't just want to make the black one, Harry Mansell. I, I hear that, and this is a philosophy she's had throughout her movies, she wants to show women in athletic roles, specifically black women in athletic roles. And so you, you get the feeling, like, remember when, well, my thoughts are on when Harry Mansell, that at times it tips towards um, Billy Crystal's character, it tips towards Harry's character. Here, this very much does, it, it's, it's pretty balanced, but tips towards Monica, much, much more so than Quincy. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't leave his life unexamined or unexplored, but it is a slight preference towards Monica, really a 60-40 balance. You're not going to walk away from the movie expecting or wondering why Omar Epps didn't get enough screen time, but <laughs> there, there is a bit of a preference for Monica, and I don't, I don't think it hurts the movie at all. I think there's... There's some strong moments in for each of them, even when they're apart and they're living lives with their friends or their family or, or what have you. So um, we've already touched on it. That 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 we have we you know what Before, like screw your opening question for right now, man. I like the movie. I I really liked it as well. We're same page. We're on the same page. We and but and I mean I liked it. Quite a bit. Let's let's. I'm, I'm going to talk about why. We're going to talk about why. But your, your opening question is very very simple. It's called Love and Basketball. We've talked about why because it's a love story within two basketball players' careers and how that has influenced it. And and I just want to to, to have our discussion be guided by. Did you appreciate much more the romance or the sports aspects of this movie? You know, I think the sports here are done pretty well. And there's definitely some things that if you are tuned into the world of basketball or you're a sports fan that you might find funny, the little nitpicks that, that you can make about the way that basketball is presented here. But even so, this is, a I think, a great movie because of the romance. The, the sports are well done. It's a good sports movie. But the relationship between Monica and Quincy, starting from when they're kids and, and finding them later as young adults... I think is just so beautifully done. And the two characters are so richly developed 
that you see the ways their their lives outside of each other influence their relationship for better and for worse and it's just a a beautifully done romantic story and the fact that the sports are so so key to its essence as well and and handled well also just makes the movie even better for it but if the sports stuff was hokey it still would have been a good movie it just feels like these are real people and, and, and there are a couple of scenes that really, really presented that, and, and it is going on with the actors, but when they are dating in college, and she wears her socks, like, rolled up halfway, or when they're standing outside, because both of them end up going to USC, and he's wearing slides, and she's wearing, uh, she's wearing slides with socks on. I, I, I don't know, it, it felt casual, it felt relaxed, it felt like something I have seen people wear in college. And not, you know, perfectly tailored dresses and suits and pants and stuff. It, it, it just felt like they were comfortable in what they were doing. And yeah. that really fleshed out this. They, they're, they're imperfect people. They're imperfect people. They don't know what they're doing. They're just trying to make their way out. And the performances for, for, for both of them, Omar Epps as Quincy, who's going through a crap done his father has cheated on his mother is being given a paternity suit because the woman that he cheated on her with is claiming that he's the father of her child and how that's just such a struggle and how he brings that through size and an inability to fully commit to monica and monica's and i'm saying quote unquote attitude because that's what everyone else says that when something specifically in basketball isn't going her way she turns on that because that that's what she cares about is well done i don't just want to say well done well done isn't enough for this it's thought out there there's a a a touch of these aren't the superstars that you see in everyday life and also there are much more stories like not everyone is i don't know not everyone's going to be your LeBron James or your Michael Jordan, there are some individuals who don't make it in basketball and are the ones that you see on the bench the entire time. And it's especially given that it's focused on Monica's basketball career at times, the 60-40 you talked about. I, I believed it. Like, I believed the story. It's a, a truly fantastic script. And like I said, I, I think the characters here are developed so thoughtfully and there is enough screen time too devoted to their family members we see quincy's family like you said he is only child former nba dad mother who stays at home and they they experience uh, some adultery then you see monica's family parents together as well and her older sister who is played by played memorably i should say by regina hall who is absolutely a face people recognize she is hilarious has been a lot of comedies but has done some dramatic work as well we get to see their family her family life she hosted the oscars last year well she co-hosted she was one of the co-hosts of the oscars last year yes and the family dynamics between the two of them where they're completely independent of one another are so beautifully set up and we see the father-son dynamic between Quincy and his dad, Zeke, who is played by Dennis Haysbert, another actor people would definitely recognize, who's been 
doing movies for a long time, who's the Allstate <laughs> all spokesman right now, has been for a while. And you get some genuinely touching scenes between these two guys. And you see the way that Zeke really invests in his son outside of his basketball career. And you'd think, oh, you know, former NBA player, it's going to be this sort of standard, like, you got to make it in basketball or you're not my son. And he's the exact opposite. He wants his kid to consider going to Princeton, a worse basketball school but a better academic institution, to get his education because Zeke never finished his degree. And so when later on in the movie his adultery is revealed and some of the lies he told his family are exposed, the crushing weight of that on Quincy is so much more believable because it's not like his dad was always a jerk doing jerk things. You really get a sense it's a real guy who made some very bad choices and is not being forced to deal with them and the, how they see how they've affected other people, his, his family. And, and that stuff Tyra is so well done. Tyra Banks and it's, is in this movie? Yeah, Tyra Banks does, in fact, show up in this movie. <laughs> and um, not not till much later on, but it's a, a, a small part, but a memorable part for sure. But, okay, and, and I say that because Tyra Banks is great in this movie, as is 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 everyone. They are believable. They are trying to get by. Well, trying to get by is actually the wrong term because most of these families are at least decently wealthy considering that they're playing for the NBA or the WNBA. Well, <laughs> there's, a, there's a bit of a distinction <laughs> between those two. And notably, notably, the WNBA does not show up. I, I, I guess, I don't know. This is a, a, a minor spoiler, I suppose. The WNBA does show up in some capacity at the end of the movie. But I think, too, that the actual timeline of the movie is key because it came out in 2000, but it is not set in 2000. These two meet in the early 80s, go to high school in the early 90s, and college in the mid-90s, and are becoming pros in the late 90s. And the WNBA itself didn't form until the mid-90s. And so part of the tension of the movie, and again, another thing that I think makes a script work so well is this, there's a ton of themes behind the scenes a ton of stuff to dig into and invest in that's not even directly addressed necessarily but it just again makes the whole stew richer and more flavorful here where we do have th this understanding that monica might be a harder worker and even relatively a better player than quincy relative to the competition but he's the one who gets all the attention all the accolades he gets recruited to go to usc he's a starter as a freshman and he, he is considering the opportunity to go pro after his freshman season but she has to scrap and struggle just to get the opportunity to play at usc and has to go play and overseas the opportunity to play overseas because there's no wmba right right and and even overseas like the struggles that you see because she's away from home and she's away from family and she doesn't know the language that well of where she's going in fact her coach gave an entire speech in spanish and she had to turn to one of her one of her teammates who spoke english and be like what do you say and her teammate goes oh he said to give the ball to you that is <laughs> the funniest thing also they didn't outwardly say you know that there's no WNBA that wouldn't make sense right they sh her goal and she was young in this movie was to play be the first woman to play for the NBA and that carries historical weight because there, there was a documentary short that came out last year called the Queen of Basketball it's the one that won the Academy Award for best uh, documentary short and it details the life of um, Louisa oh man it details the life of Louisa Harris who was a, a basketball player who was the 
first and only woman to be recruited to play for the NBA. Uh, I want to say it was the Utah Jazz. I believe it was the Utah Jazz. But her, like Louisa Harris, had struggles where there's no WNBA. If I if I don't get recruited to play after college somewhere or do something, then all I know how to do is play basketball. Which are Monica's Monica struggles and her family, her mom specifically wanting her to try something outside of basketball because it's 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 a sh narrower window than it is for men, and an even narrower one at that time. And so we feel that pressure of oh frick, what's she gonna do? It's 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 like you said, the script is so well done. It, that's set up really beautifully too, because not only is do they do the characters talk about it. And you see the tension between parent and child and both families. But even the way that the the basketball games are shot when they're being played in, in USC especially, you see for Quincy's games, they're at the field house at USC. It's a packed house. The crowd's going wild. People are cheering for him. And then you cut to the, uh, the Lady Trojans. I think that's USC's mascot. And you see Monica's games, and they're they're played in a different gym at times, like smaller venues. There's not as full of crowds, which historically is a struggle of women's basketball, where they are not their leagues are not followed as closely. They're not as financially successful, and even today, players in the WNBA have to play in other leagues overseas if they want to play basketball year round, just for financial reasons, unless they can land sponsorships and, and endorsements. I mean, the whole Brittany Griner situation, if people remember that in the news, I'm sure they do, that happened because she was playing in Russia, and she, that wasn't even her first season. She'd been playing for years in Russia, and they finally detained her. And it, it's one of these tensions just for female basketball players compared to male basketball players, especially those who go pro and are that talented. And it, it's that dynamic between female pro athletes, male pro athletes, even kids with those levels of aspiration, that is addressed throughout this movie. And it adds a lot of layers to the, the dynamics, especially between um, Monica and her mother, who's played by Alfred Woodard, a, another actress that people will surely recognize. The cast here is really deep. A lot of really, really great actors that you will absolutely recognize. And, uh, again, those mother-daughter scenes, although they are relatively infrequent, they are always potent. And part of that is because of the strength of the performers, but also, of course, the strength of the writing. Ooh. Hey. Oh, man. I don't know where to go from here. I mean, I wanted us to touch on the performances, and we've kind of been touching on them. I wanted us to touch on the basketball scenes. Uh, I will say the... the, the in Quincy's basketball games seem much, much shorter than Monica's basketball games. You know, they're given less time, they're given less focus, but you you see the magnitude of how big they are, just like you said. Did you did that affect the way that you thought about their dynamic? Not really. Okay. Uh, I think Prince Bythewood gets us in Monica's perspective a little bit more, and in one of the more I guess I'll call it uh, one of the sequences where she really tries to strut her stuff as a director and not, and not just as a writer. She actually puts us in Monica's POV during a game. And it's one of the coolest sequences in the movie. It's something I've never seen done in a basketball movie before, but we, 
it we're seeing it in a first person view as she is trying to make this furious comeback at the end of a game and she's talking to herself like okay 30 seconds left 30 seconds left all right stay stay tight defense defense and like it, it it's a really cool moment but of course we're literally in her point of view there and we're definitely observing Quincy much more like other people in the crowd are observing him we're, we're seeing him be the star player on his high school squad and then go be the star freshman on his college team so I, I think she does a good job of situating us just connecting us to Monica through the basketball and I don't know if it's intentional uh, other than of course the movie is slightly weighted more towards Monica like we've already talked about but it didn't make me think less of Quincy I don't, I don't think it was one of those things where I didn't think worse about Omar Epps and his performance or, or how Prince Bosewood is covering the man in this relationship but it did situate me a little bit more in monica's experience so let's also um this is gonna be what i'm about to do scott is, is gonna be kind of funny okay let's <laughs> always good to preface something with <laughs> warning me that it's gonna be funny so this came out in the year 2000 right yes it did so gladiator wins best picture now are we talking about okay are we talking about the 2000 Oscars or when this would have been eligible for the 2001 Oscars? Well, this when this would have been eligible because I guess in the 2000 Oscars, that's American Beauty, right? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I think so. Cool. So, okay, sure. Fine. American Beauty wins Best Picture. But, wait, we didn't have one. This movie comes out... Okay, so the budget is between fourteen and twenty million dollars. It makes twenty-seven-ish million dollars returns, which honestly pretty good. Yeah. Okay, so this is a post-American Beauty world. <laughs> the world was never the same. The, uh, American Beauty won in nineteen ninety-nine. Or no, now I'm it, getting all confused been, because of Wikipedia. No, it would have. Okay, look, the the Oscars would have been in like. Uh, February or March so American Beauty would have won and then this would have come out in April and been like hi American Beauty okay so you were right Gladiator 73rd Oscars took place in 2001 honoring the films of 2000 you're you're right about this okay the Gladiator year okay other movies that came out Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon banger Aaron Brockovich Traffic, Requiem for a Dream. I'm, I'm basically saying these things, and yes, I'm exceedingly looking at the Wikipedia page. Oh, Morris <laughs> Perez in Yuritu's first movie. Oh, I should I should have known that. I feel like I didn't know that. Tisk tisk, Christian. He's your boy. You gotta he get caught up with boy. it. I, I mean, I've seen a Morris Perez. All right. So, so I, I I will say, if we take the Best Picture winner as as like emanating downward. It's like movies revolve around the best picture winner. What does this and Gladiator have in common? What does love and basketball have in common with Gladiator? <laughs> yes. Well, in a way, Gina Prince Bythewood would go on to make her Gladiator 20 years later with the woman. Exactly. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. I haven't seen Gladiator recently enough to come up with any type of witty comparison between the two. Okay, so, so here's where I'm going to save you. Gladiator's a sports movie in a way. <laughs> well, it, it's one where 
the action is there because it underlies a different motivation. And the different motivation behind why they're playing basketball isn't just, you know, romance. It's not just love. It's also a broken family unit. The underlying thing behind Gladiator is that his family was ripped from him. This this doesn't make any sense, Christian. <laughs> what are you talking about? He loses his family. Monica's family is not broken in any way. Her parents are still married at the end of the film, and her sister has gone on to have a child of her own. What about Quincy? Quincy's family is not broken until he is an adult. <laughs> he is raised by both of his parents. He goes to college, and that is when his father's adultery is revealed, and his parents get a divorce. <laughs> he is raised in a two-parent home, Christian. <laughs> no, no step-parents or half-siblings to be found. I admire I, your attempt at connecting love and basketball to Gladiator for some reason. You, Here the, you go. The, Gladiator was directed by Ridley Scott, who is mm -hmm. a, a great, one of the all-time great directors. Love and Basketball was produced by Spike Lee. Spike Lee. Another one of the, the all-time great directors. And there, there you go. There's our connection. That's. I'm not gonna lie. I know that this is extremely awkward. I kind of love the discussion that we're having right now, <laughs> where we are praising the work of other films as opposed to <laughs> love and basketball. I mean, okay, Gina Prince Bythewood. I have seen The Secret Life of Bees, but it was a while ago. It was. It, it was. I think for sixth grade history or English, and. I haven't seen The Old Guard, but I have seen um, The Woman King. And the and the POV shots are not in The Woman King, to, to my knowledge. But there's, there's very much not just the shots of the action, but there's a shot of, like, the recovery after the action. I mean, even when you look at the beginning of Love and Basketball... Quincy pushes her down and she gets a scar on her face. Monica has a scar that you see for the rest of the movie when um, uh, when, when one of her teammates at USC, the, the original point guard when she was a freshman, um, is knocked down and you see the pain and you see her in crutches when um, the basically the anxiety over not winning the games, there's, there, there's like a recoil factor where she makes sure that there's the physical and the emotional aspects to all of this and not the superstardom. I don't think you walk away from this thinking basketball is the greatest game ever, but you do walk away from this thinking basketball is like requires a price from you. Yeah, it's a lot of it is due to this of what you're identifying is due to the strength of Sana Lathan's performance. And one of the the other funny behind the scenes stories from this movie is that she had uh, and uh, by her words literally never touched a basketball <laughs> like she'd never played basketball and and yet she won the part and she's you know playing this person who is obsessed with basketball and i think for her performance is pretty credible when she's actually shown and, and that's a little bit of movie magic as they're cutting around her and i'm sure there are body doubles and maybe a basketball 
not a stunt performer, obviously, but like a basketball double for her who maybe is swapped in when we're not seeing her face, but really credible work from her in, in capturing the sport, but also in just capturing the way that an athlete feels and the, and the way that they can be absolutely dedicated to their game and how crushed she is after those losses. And one of the interesting developmental points for Monica as both a, a young person and a basketball player is not letting her attitude get the best of her. And we see the ways that it affects the team detrimentally where she's given technical foul and, and benched in the game and she has to kind of keep a keep her lid on. Uh, you, you know, the strength of Lathan's performance is, is bringing out the emotional depth of that young person. And you really feel it with her when she is feeling frustrated and crushed after they lose an important game in high school. And you also get excited for her when she experiences some success in her USC career. And again, these are things that could have been handled with schmaltziness or some Hollywood sheen, but uh, Prince Bythewood strips that down and it's really authentic and it's real. And it's, uh, again, it's like just everything about love and basketball is, is so well done. And from the acting to the writing, to the direction, like just killer. And it's, it's, hard to believe this is a maybe not hard to believe but it's really impressive that this is a directorial debut much like gladiator the stakes are there much like gladiator the stakes are there you are you are correct christian christian if you had to cast if you had to cast russell crowe in this movie if you had to put russell crowe in love and basketball where would you put him you cannot add a new character you can only recast a different character if Russell Crowe were in this movie... Year 2000 Russell Crowe. So he's winning Oscars, handsome Hollywood lead. Where'd you put him? Okay. Um, I think... So... This is, this is under the 2000s um, political spectrum. The sexual politics of the time. I'm really, really concerned about where this is going, Christian. Um, I think it will replace Tyra Banks. So, so, <laughs> so Quincy McCall is carrying out a a secret romance with a with a dashing would, Australian man. No, it wouldn't be secret. Like his relationship with Tyra Banks wasn't secret. Well, I I know, but we didn't have an out gay player in the NBA until. Uh, Jason Collins came out in like 2012 or 2014 or something. <laughs> so which would but 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 he I mean maybe maybe it would work because Omar I mean Quincy doesn't doesn't end up in the NBA. It you know fair point you know maybe why didn't Love and Basketball explore Quincy's latent bisexuality you know that would that would have been really would have really put this thing over the top. <laughs> There is a moment in this movie because a lot is made of Monica's tomboy tomboyishness and she and her mom don't get along because her mom is very like classical mom. Like she loves to bake. She's always wearing dresses and she doesn't really get basketball. She's not really going to the games as much as Monica's dad and sister are. And there's a moment where she kind of freaks her parents out because she's like, oh, you know, why don't you do something with your hair? Like, why don't you dress like this or whatever and monica's like well why don't we do that because you feel like because i'm a lesbian and they're like huh and for a second 
I really thought that's where we were going. Like, <laughs> okay, like Monica's in the girls, maybe, cool, progressive sure. for two thousand, <laughs> and that is just a joke that she's because she's trying to sort of shock their systems a little bit because she's just just a tomboy. But <laughs> for a second, I really wondered, like, hey, maybe it's gonna. This is what we're gonna explore, and like her relationship with Quincy is not. You know, she's not purely straight, I, but who knows? I have a question about Monica's dad. Okay. Monica's dad, like, disappears halfway through the movie. Because there's one time when she comes home, and her mom's there, and her mom's like, your dad's not home. And she, like, says, ugh, or something. And we just don't see him again. And we don't hear from him again. We do see him at near the end of the movie, Christian. Where? There is a, a later on in her life, Monica is forced to get a job at her father's bank because she decides it's not worth living in Europe where she doesn't speak the language oh. and doesn't have any friends. Her father's the one who comes to talk to her and shoes the other the other. Her like, father comes to away. talk to her at the bank. And it's this like, my girl is following me into the into the family business sort of situation. That was the only part of this movie that I felt weird. I'm like, I feel like her dad's the one connecting with her, and then he just disappears. In a way, I think it was a little bit intentional, because we get we get some really great moments between Monica and her mother, just as we have this really compelling dynamic between Quincy and his father. And it's not like Quincy's mother is absent from the movie. She has more screen time, for sure, than Monica's dad, but... They are, they're playing up those two dynamics between the two. And so while we don't have a ton of scenes with Monica's dad, we do get scenes like the, uh, what we can just call the kitchen scene between Monica and her mother late in the movie. When she is at home visiting, unsure about her basketball career, and we get this conversation between the two of them where they just start letting it fly. And they start talking about the assumptions they had of one another, Monica's asking her mom why she never supported her, and her mom is saying, well, you never wanted me to support you. Like, you, you didn't want me there. And they really have this deep heart-to-heart. And it's a beautifully done scene, and a reminder that Alfred Woodard is an incredibly underrated actress. And <laughs> um, but I mean, she's, she's a four-time Emmy Award winner. Indeed she is. But if we were to go poll 10 of our friends, would they know who Alfred Woodard is? <laughs> well, I mean, okay, I think that just means we need better friends. <laughs> Maybe, Christian. This is, this is our call. We have to find, we'll, be, we'll start the Alfred Woodard fan club. <laughs> and we will dedicate our, ourselves to the life and work of Alfred Woodard. <laughs> we will collect friends this way. And that's how that's how we will expand our social circle, Christian. We will cut off the unnecessary people and we shall find the the right kinds of people. The people who know Alfred Woodard and her storied career. They There are worse ways to make friends. <sighs> okay. I like how you, you pull out that she's won multiple Emmys and not that she's been nominated for an Oscar. But you know. uh, well she she didn't win the Oscar. <laughs> But yeah, she but won the Emmys. <laughs> to be nominated for an Oscar, I mean, it's a bigger cultural deal than winning an Emmy. Everybody's won an Emmy, you know? Wow. You're just just taking people's successes and saying, no, no. I'm saying she has even greater success that you didn't, you didn't call out. I, I'm Fine. sort of, uh, I'm in a real anti-television state of mind right now. Like, I've been watching a ton of movies this year, 
And it's, my TV watching is definitely being sacrificed as I watch more movies, but I don't find that to be a problem. I think film is a superior art form, and all you TV fans can, can come at me. But Bro, you're a TV fan. Oh, you well, love The Last of Us. You love Andor. You love The yeah, White Lotus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. pretend. No, no, I'm not pretending. Uh, but I don't love those and analyze them the way that I do the movies I watch. I sure. let TV wash over me. It's just like a fun... Like, every TV show is like a 7 or an 8 to me. TV shows that get really bad reviews, I'm like, no, that was good, you know? Like, it's like a 7. <laughs> Alright, I'm not... Uh, okay, let's... let's, let's, let's I think I like this movie more than Gladiator. I'm just just gonna just gonna put that out there. I'm I haven't just, seen Gladiator in long enough, so who knows what I think. But Love and Basketball is a great film. May not be a historical epic, but it is a, a fantastic romance, a great sports movie, fantastic debut. There's a lot to love here, and it's also catching Sana Lathan and Omar Epps when they were really on the come up, turn of the century, of course, in 2000. But both of them were in a lot of movies in the 90s and the early 2000s and have gone on to long careers, so it's really fun to catch them near the beginning of their careers in their younger days. All right. That's all that I have for this movie. Banger soundtrack. You forgot the banger soundtrack. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for saying that. The <laughs> soundtrack to this movie is incredible. And I know that you're laughing because I told you to stop adding on to things when I said that we're done with the discussion. At the actual... <laughs> Yes. The 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 soundtrack. No, listeners. Right before we started recording, I'm like, Scott, you do this thing every single time where I'm like, that's it, and then you say, but Christian, what did you think about? Well, look. what normally happens is you say, I think that's all I have, and I like to fit in a last conversation piece. You know, something that stuck out to me from the movie that maybe didn't get discussed. I'd like to bring it up. I want to get your thoughts on it. But this time, I, I felt justified. I was just going to say banger soundtrack and leave it at that. But you feel the same way. so the, the, sa- the soundtrack is incredible. Also, the editing, the way that we fade. The way that we were seamlessly fading from one character to the other, from one scene to the other. Nothing felt jarring. It felt perfectly in tune and thought over. Okay. Hey, Christian. You want to know who helped produce the soundtrack? Who helped produce the soundtrack, Scott? Overbrook Entertainment. You know who's the co-founder of Overbrook Entertainment? Who's the co-founder of Overbrook Entertainment? Scott? Will Smith. There you go. Another another important black figure of American entertainment. And the Oscars are this Sunday. The Oscars are this Sunday, baby. If I have to hear one more sorry person talk about the Will Smith slap at the Oscars, I am going to lose my marbles. Why are we still talking about this? <laughs> And you why is he not had his stupid Will Academy Smith. band rescinded? Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you were the one who brought up Will Smith. Okay, I will be introducing a new category for the following week's movie and every subsequent movie. Who, who do you wish Will Smith could have slapped from that movie? Um, no, although that is a wonderful idea. It'll be if you could recast one character with Russell Crowe. Perfect. Always contemporary to the year the movie came out, of course. Uh, also, like... like bonus points if you make it a queer relationship (laughs) (laughs) oh boy all right folks that is love and basketball decidedly uh, a film without the great russell crowe but one directed by the great gina prince bythewood 
it is available on I think both Hulu and HBO Max. Yes, it is. I watched it on HBO Max, Christian. Where'd you watch it? I watched it on HBO Max as well. All right. So definitely available on both of the services. Who knows how long it will be there. We really both encourage you to check it out, whether you're a basketball fan or you love a good romantic movie or you saw The Woman King and you're curious about more of Gina Prince-Bythewood's work. Definitely worth a watch. Christian, basketball month will dribble on. I was going to say March, but basketball players dribble when they have the ball. So it's dribbling on next week as you lead us into what movie? So next week, we are going to be discussing 1992's White Men Can't Jump. White Men Can't Jump. We're just watching all the classics that I haven't seen yet, and I couldn't be happier. White Men Can't Jump. Woody Harrelson. Hey, Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes. That's going to be great. Um, And Rosie Perez. Woody Harrelson was on the TV show Cheers? Because I just found that out. I did know that. I did not. Well, Cheers was on a long time ago. Is it like the 80s? When he was a, a young person. Yeah. Sure. How old is he in his 60s now? Uh, probably. We, we can get into that next week. A full analysis of Woody Harrelson's age. Maybe we'll recast him with Russell Crowe. Uh, maybe we will recast him with Russell Crowe. Uh, speaking of recasting him, they're remaking White Men Can't Jump. And I can't wait to, to discuss the potential of that remake with you next week. All right, White Men Can't Jump is on Hulu. on Hulu and rentable a variety of other places if you do not have access to that streaming service. One I'm definitely looking forward to watching for the first time. It's going to be a fun one next week, Christian, as basketball month continues. Amazing. But until folks like myself cannot jump, that has been the Cinema Drip Podcast. And so thank you so much for listening along, folks. If you are still here at this point in the episode, we greatly appreciate it. There are a few things that you can do to support this podcast. Number one, please do subscribe wherever you get your pods and leave us a rating or a review if applicable. Helps us reach new listeners and just gain more attention. And so it's always sincerely appreciated when people go out of their way to leave a review. So subscribe, follow, rate, review, insert all of the the words. We appreciate it. You can also send us an email at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com where we are regularly checking the inbox for listener feedback, ideas for movies or blends of the month to cover on the show. And just as a reminder, like we have uh, used listener feedback to guide blends of the month before. We have welcomed listeners onto the show to, <laughs> to join us. Uh, memorably had our friend Paul Gonzalez on the show for Magic May, an idea of his. And then he later just rejoined us again to talk Mission Impossible. And it was a great time. So would love to have more listener feedback to consider, whether you have a basketball movie you want to recommend to us to cover on the show, or if you have an idea for a blend we could do later this year. We'd love your thoughts at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow myself and the show on Twitter, Christian on Instagram, and the both of us on Letterboxd, where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we are watching. Christian, any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home? I can jump. Christian can jump, folks. And maybe you'll get to hear more about it next week. Until next time. I work work hard on it. (laughs) Until next time, folks, this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast.